Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is going on everyone, my name is Andy, welcome back to another FPL video. In this one it's some of my final thoughts ahead of the game week 6 deadline, so I'm going to go through the latest press conference information, as well as answering some of your questions as well. So if you do enjoy the video, make sure to give it a like, hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already, and make sure to check out Fantasy Football Hub before the game week 6 deadline. There's a 7 day free trial at the moment and 30% off. Loads of tools over there that are really helpful from an FPL point of view, and if you just want to get a sense check of how your team is doing, you can and get that rated for free as well all the links needed are in the description below uh, otherwise we'll just get into it so let's start off with Brighton. Lots of people wondering about their FPL options this week ahead of their good fixture, which is Bournemouth at home. So the likes of Matoma, Evan Ferguson, uh, Estupinian, and João Pedro in particular. Now, last night, Brighton had their first European game. And before the match, De Zerbi said that Lewis Dunk and Evan Ferguson will play on Sunday. Neither of them were in the squad for the European game. Now, that doesn't mean they're 100% going to start. But I kind of took it to say that that is probably what would happen. In the past, the Zerbi has said in press conferences that a certain player is going to start. So that's why there's a little bit of doubt there. Interestingly, today, the Zerbi had his press conference ahead of the Bournemouth game. Uh, and one of the tweets that came out was that he wasn't clear-cut about the availability of Dunk and Ferguson. Now, Ferguson was only ill. And for Dunk, it was a muscular injury. But he's gone from saying they'll play to being not sure about kind of what the status of those two players are. Now, I know Dunk for FPL is not obviously a huge hugely owned player but that does affect their defense and Evan Ferguson is someone that would have been brought in quite heavily after his hat trick so that is a bit of a problem ultimately my thoughts on Brighton players are you just keep them it's Bournemouth at home now obviously there'll be certain situations where people have got spare transfers they want to bring in different players like if you've got the money to go from João Pedro to Julian Alvarez fair enough but for most people you just keep them for Bournemouth at home and you deal with it after that because the fixtures do get a bit worse. I mean, Brighton could get results in all of these games, but on paper, Villa away, Liverpool at home, Man City away is not great. The fixtures get much better from game week 10 onwards. Probably unsurprisingly, De Zerbi also went on to say whether he'll have to make changes. He said yes a lot, 
It's all, he says it's more difficult for Brighton than Liverpool and West Ham as they are more used to it after competing in Europe last season. So Brighton players aren't used to playing kind of every three to four days. But I think we know there's going to be lots of changes anyway, right? We've seen that already from Deserby. So Matoma's probably going to be fine. He started every match good minutes so far. I don't think he's a huge problem. After game week six, you could potentially look at shipping him to a different kind of 6.5 million midfielder. I don't think Evan Ferguson's a great pick in general. He does have a lot of kind of injury issues, right? He was managed a lot last season. And even when he's fit, he's not guaranteed to play because of Welbeck. So I think, again, I would probably keep him this week. But going forward, he's not someone that I would want in my team, I don't think. And João Pedro, who knows? Benched against Man United for Lallana. Started last night. I think he scored twice, both penalties. There's nothing to say that Lallana can't start this game in game week six. But because it's so good against Bournemouth at home, I'd probably keep him. But long term, João Pedro surely has to go. He's just been benched too many times. Even though he's a cheap price, there's lots of other players that we could put in instead. On Estupinian, he's obviously first choice left back. I have kind of mentioned slight worries that Lamptey played really well against Man United. And there is a chance that he could start this weekend. But again, it's not worth taking Estupinian out because he is first choice. He is a bit of a machine. I'm sure he'll be fit and available to play this game. And if he does, it's a great fixture. So general thoughts around Brighton players, keep them for this week. After that, have a plan to maybe get rid of him. Estupinian is not going to be a rush to sell. Obviously, he's done so well so far. I don't see any clean sheets on horizon after game week six, not until game week 10 at least. So I want to talk about the Arsenal goalkeeper situation because some people might be wildcarding this week. Some people might be looking just to make a goalkeeper transfer in general. And obviously, if Raya does become first choice, 4.8 million looks pretty good for Arsenal's starting goalkeeper. And we've seen in the past at Brentford how good he is at picking up bonus points, making saves and stuff like that. Now, Arteta said today, this is the competition. This is my job to make decisions in the best possible way for the team. He's been very supportive and really good around the place. So he was talking about Ramsdale essentially being dropped. Now, I put out a Instagram story the other day saying that Ray was starting second game in a row in the Champions League. It looks like he's probably first choice. And I was surprised by the amount of replies that reckon Ramsdale's going to start against Spurs. Now, obviously, we don't know. We can just wait and find out. But there will be people looking to make the decision before the deadline. I just think you get put in the Premier League, and then you start the first Champions League game. They're back in. Ramsdale helped that. Does Ramsdale get a chance in that game? No, it goes to Raya. Everything we've seen from the last couple of games, kind of says that Raya is now first choice. I don't buy this stuff from Arteta about rotating goalkeepers, substituting during games. I just don't see that happening. I think Raya is the better goalkeeper. I don't think there's a huge difference between the two. I don't think it's like going from Pickford to Allison. Right? I'm not saying that. But I do think Raya is a bit of an upgrade, especially in terms of his distribution and you know just playing with his feet in general, which is obviously such a big thing for goalkeepers these days. So I think he is just first choice, and I would expect Ramsdale to probably play in the FA Cup and stuff like that. Obviously, if you don't have to make the decision right now, you give them a few more games and see. If Ramsdale does come in for the Spurs game, then that obviously makes both of them probably a complete avoid. But if Raya plays again, he is someone we're going to look at long term. The only thing to obviously say about Arsenal's fixtures, it's Spurs at home, Bournemouth away, Man City at home, Chelsea away. I don't see too many clean sheets there. Obviously, he could get save points and stuff like that. But there's really not a rush to bring them in. I think this is a more probably important conversation for those that are going to wildcard around game weeks 9 or 10. If Reyes starts the next three matches, he's going to be in a lot of wildcards. But for now, if you can, I'd probably just avoid both of them and see what happens. But my money is on Reyes just being first choice. I think that's the reason he was brought in. That's why he started the last two games. 
And unfortunately for Ramsdale, he's going to have to work to get back in the team. All right, let's talk about Man City. They've got Nottingham Forest at home this week. Obviously, Julian Alvarez is a very popular transfer. Pep Guardiola in his press conference said Jack is coming back, so that's Grealish. Training well and could be ready, so he might get some minutes. I'd be very surprised if he starts. I expect to see Doku and Foden on the wings again. Uh, Kovacic is almost ready. The last part of the recovery, but now we lost Bernardo for a few days and John and De Bruyne are still out. So John is uh, kind of John Stones and De Bruyne is out as well. So if you've got players like Diaz and Akanji, they do look pretty good to hold on to right now. Um, with Bernardo Silva out, that means Alvarez is like definitely going to start. I don't usually like saying this about Man City players, but I'd put a lot of money on betting that Julian Alvarez is going to start this game. Now, to be fair, and I know a lot of people have kind of said this, and if you haven't made the transfer already and he doesn't look like he's going to go up in price tonight, you could wait. Because the deadline is half one UK time, right? So obviously 1.30 p.m. There's no early kickoff. So the Man City game's at 3 o'clock, along with Luton, Wolves, Palace, Fulham. Um, so we might get early team news. It's almost certain that we will probably find out a few players that are going to start. So if obviously if you're watching deadline streams and stuff like that, the information will be there. But if you're someone that can't be around for that, I just don't see how Alvarez doesn't start this game. So I think he'll be fine. Um, there was another comment about him specifically. So Pep Guardiola, I almost said specifically, but I did add the S there, so I think I'm okay. Um, Pep Guardiola said, this is about Alvarez, right now with the injuries, he's had minutes and he gives us lots of good things. That's why he's playing, but he has to continue. So obviously, like everyone under Pep, you've got to keep playing well. Um, said many games, some games he won't play. Hopefully players come back and fight for positions. Now, obviously, if Pep Guardiola had a fully fit squad, including De Bruyne, uh, Kovacic, etc., I'm not saying that Alvarez wouldn't start, but obviously there's much less chance. But also his minutes could be managed a bit more. That's obviously not going to happen with the amount of injuries they've got. But before people panic on the some games he won't play, I mean, that's obvious, right? We're not expecting Alvarez to play every game from now until the end of the season. I suspect at some point he'll be rested in the Champions League. If Man City are kind of through in first place after the first four games or something like that i'm sure him and harlem will get a rest i think the interesting thing here is you can't rest both of them without having to play a non number nine it's only really him and harlem right so if they both get rested at the same time someone essentially has to play false nine now under pep Guardiola, that can definitely work we've seen players like foden play that before so i wonder how he's going to manage those those rests, because obviously if you rest Haaland, you kind of want Alvarez to play and vice versa. But maybe it might be that, you know, Man City are 12 points from the first four games in the Champions League. Alvarez misses the next one. Haaland misses the one after that. Who knows how it's going to work? But don't start panicking that Alvarez is not going to play every game. I would never buy a Man City player and expect that anyway. So I think he looks like a great transfer. And I've already said that if you've got a spare move, there's no real issue with kind of bringing him in this week. Even if it's for Nicholas Jackson, I don't want people to twist my words i'm not trying to sit on the fence but i do like to give different perspectives right if i say that nicholas jackson isn't a must sell and alvarez isn't essential that doesn't mean that jackson to alvarez is a bad move if you've got the spare transfer there's nothing wrong with getting rid of jackson this week and it's probably something that i'm going to look at doing but do i think it's worth doing a hit for jackson to alvarez probably not the big thing with alvarez is of course you get the nottingham forest at home fixture if he's going to keep playing even for 7 million, he's still going to be a good option to buy in game week 7. But missing that great home fixture, then having Wolves away, Arsenal away, Brian home, doesn't look quite so good. But honestly, I expect Man City to score in all four of the next four game weeks. Arsenal away is obviously really tricky. 
But even Brighton at home is not that bad. So, yeah, Alvarez looking good. As for the rest of the players, obviously, I think Grealish is more of a consideration for Foden than it is for Alvarez right now. Um, but if you've got Foden, again, no reason to get rid of him. Would I buy him right now? Not sure about that. I think Alvarez probably is the better choice. Plus, he doesn't take up a midfield spot. But if you've got Foden, I can't see any reason to sell before Forrest at home. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, let's talk about Chelsea. Very much a hot topic this week ahead of Aston Villa at home in game week six, followed by Fulham away and Burnley away. That is the end of the really good fixture run that Chelsea have had since game week three. You could say the best fixtures are already behind them. Luton at home, Forest at home and Bournemouth away. But I don't think the next three are too bad. From game week nine onwards, the fixtures do swing in a bad way. So either... You need to start planning about what transfers you're going to make to get rid of those Chelsea players either now or later on. Or for those of you that are planning to wildcard around game weeks 9 or 10, obviously you can deal with it then. In terms of the updates, Caicedo is going to be assessed, so we don't know whether he's going to start or not against Villa. I mean, to be fair, his time at Chelsea so far hasn't been great. Obviously, very small sample size. I think it's fair to say that the transition from Brighton to Chelsea has been tough. But I do think overall, he does improve that team, especially from a defensive point of view. And up until this point, and I spoke about this in the game week preview, Chelsea have limited the amount of chances other teams have had. And they have had good fixtures, of course. But Fulham away and Burnley away aren't exactly tough. And I know that Villa at home is a bit tougher. They're a very good attacking side. But obviously, they've had to play in Europe as well. So you could go down the route and create a narrative that Chelsea are going to be a little bit fresher. Either way, Casado being back is good news for Chelsea as long as he starts. Let's see what happens. Obviously, part of that defensive talk is about Chilwell, which I'll come on to in a minute. But also Gusto as well. Lots of people will still be holding him. Not only might Caicedo be back, but James is not back in full training. Now, there might be some of you that have got defenders like, I don't know, Estupinian, uh, Newcastle defenders potentially, that you want to play ahead of Gusto. That's absolutely fine. But given his price, he's worth holding on to because at this rate, I would not be surprised if James is not back until after the international break. So if you had to play Gusto against Fulham away or Burnley away as backup, really not the end of the world. So I think that's quite good news. Broya could be back in the squad. Now, up until this point, Jackson's had no competition for that number nine place. His minutes have been good. But as we know, he's one yellow card away from a suspension. And Broya being back would provide a bit of competition. Even if, if it's not from a starting perspective, it could be minutes off the bench. Now, Broya's been out for a very long time. So I do not expect him to start against Villa. If you've got Jackson, you don't have a spare transfer, then you could keep hold of him. I know people hate it when I say that. And I'm not saying Jackson out is a bad move, far from it. I'm just saying I wouldn't be taking hits to remove him, I don't think. I think it's okay to keep him one more week. I guess the only issue is, if you keep him against Villa and he blanks and gets a yellow card, he's then suspended against Fulham away, 
you'd have to get rid of him right you'd want to anyway and then to make that alvarez move you're just going to feel like you're one week behind and you've missed nottingham forest at home so i do get the clamor to do that move at all costs but i personally don't think it's worth a hit but look lots of people think i'm wrong all the time so maybe i'm wrong this time as well either way Close to a suspension, Ambrose could provide a little bit of competition sooner rather than later, although it might not be until the fixtures swing anyway. The big news for a lot of us, or the lack of big news, I should say, no mention of Chilwell or just the overall setup of the Chelsea team. Not that I could see anyway. So the question everyone's going to ask me is, do I think Chilwell is going to start? And my honest answer is, I've got no idea. What I would say from an FPL point of view, if you've got a spare transfer... I think I would deal with the Chilwell situation now. There's no guarantee he plays left wing. There's no guarantee he plays left back either. And Pochettino has already shown that he's prepared to bench him. Now, again, just to kind of say what I've said already this week, the commentator in the game against Bournemouth did make a comment that Chilwell had a slight knot, but I've not seen that anywhere else. Nowhere apart from in that game have I seen any mention of a knock. So if that is the case... He was just benched, and that is not great going forward. So if I had a spare transfer, I'd be looking to get rid of him. For my own team, I've kind of put myself in a bad position because last week I could have done Saliba to a Newcastle defender and not got Son, and therefore I'd be looking at Estupinian, let's just say Botman, and then I could get rid of Jackson and Chilwell in two moves and just bring in Shah or Trippier, whoever it is, right, whatever the money situation was. But now if I want to get rid of Jackson, then I can only deal with one of Chilwell or Saliba because I don't want to take a hit so it's either get rid of Chilwell because he's a doubt but play Saliba against Spurs or get rid of Saliba and hope Chilwell is okay but if he's not that's another issue to deal with next week so I think it really depends on your team I know that's so cliche every time I say it but if you've got loads of other fires to put out I think giving Chilwell a chance is okay. Ultimately, I'm not expecting Chelsea to get a clean sheet anyway. I know I've just said about Caicedo and Gusto might be a good hold, but Villa is a tough team to play against. I'm not saying that Villa are going to go and score three or four, but they could score one or two, definitely. Um, I just think the reason that I'm kind of keen to keep hold of Chilwell is because if he does play, then you also get Fulham away, Burnley away. But he is such a doubt now. Like He has to be a doubt, right? We haven't seen him start a game at left-back. He's always played left-wing. And then the one time he's not playing left wing because Mudrick comes in instead, he doesn't even play left back. So we can't say definitively whether he is going to start or not. But what we can say, he is an issue, right? He is a worry moving forward, no matter what anyone says. And he might play the next three, but no one can guarantee that. Uh, and if it's not going to be left wing, is Pochettino going to give him license to get forward as a left back? We just don't know. So I feel like he is a sell if you've got a transfer. Would I take a hit? Definitely not. I'd just play him against Villa and hope for the best. For my team, I'm undecided right now, but I'm kind of leaning towards keeping him. But if I dealt with Saliba last week, I'd be selling Chilwell this week, I think. So I know I've already talked about Man United players this week, and people, judging by the comments, have been absolutely loving my thoughts around it. Don't think I'm biased or anything like that. Um, but it is a final thoughts video. We did get a slight update about, uh, from Ten Hag that might affect... Some players positively moving forward. But I just thought I'd give you my final thoughts on them, which will come as no surprise if you watched all the other videos this week. So anyone looking to get rid of Rashford or Fernandez, there are probably certain situations where it's perfectly fine to do. Like if you really want Salah and you've got to get rid of one of these two, even if it's maybe both of them and it's not for a hit or anything like that, then perhaps that is a decent move. But generally, and this point applies from now until the end of the season, most players... 
that you've obviously made a decision to have in your team do not need to be sold before a fixture like Burnley away, Lewin at home, Bournemouth at home, Sheffield United away, and fixtures like that. So I would not be looking at my team right now with Rashford and Fernandes in it, thinking they are absolute must-sells before Burnley away. How many times in the past, not just for Man United, have we seen form change because the fixtures get better? I'm not saying Man United have had completely awful fixtures. Wolves at home, Forest at home, good. Even Brighton at home shouldn't have been as bad as it went. But they've also played Spurs away, Arsenal away. I'm not really worried that they lost to Bayern Munich away either. But what they have done is kind of continue to score goals in most of those games. And the fixtures coming up look pretty good. And if they can do well against Burnley away, suddenly the outlook looks a lot better. they got back-to-back home games. And then maybe we will see a bit of an improvement. In terms of the um, update from Ten Hag... He said, Varane will train today, so that's Friday, and we will see. Amrabat will train, we will see, and Mount as well. So all three of those players could be back soon. I highly doubt we're going to see Mount or Amrabat start this week. But if they're back moving forward, I think that's only a positive for Man United. So as always, I'm never trying to sit here to make people keep their players. If you want to sell Rashford and Fernandes, it's your team. In most cases, people watching this video, you're an adult. You're allowed to transfer them out if you want. My opinion, or advice if you want to call it that, is that Burnley away is a really good fixture. And if Rashford and Fernandes came away with points, it would not be that surprising. I actually, outside of Salah, don't think there's a huge amount of midfielders to sell them for anyway. So, yeah, the outlook could look... Why do I keep saying that? It's looked twice in a row. It doesn't sound great, but I've said it four times now. It's going to look better if if they beat Burnley, because the fixtures afterwards are decent. And then there's going to be less need to kind of get rid of them. And those players coming back will hopefully improve things as well. But I will agree with people. It doesn't look great for Man United. And there's so many issues off the pitch that could continue to affect them. And if they get another bad result against Burnley, massive pressure all round. So not just from a footballing perspective, but there's a lot of pressure riding on from an FPL point of view. I would not be surprised if Rashford and Fernandes come away with points this week. All right, let's get into some of your questions. So what do we do with Gabriel Martinelli? No one is talking about him. Who do we even replace him with? And this is kind of what I was getting at with Rashford and Fernandez. And I should clarify, it's not that there's no midfielders. There's a reason that most of us are on 3-5-2 formations because of the amount of options. It just doesn't feel like there's a pressing need to buy many of the ones that we don't already own this week unless you're desperate to get someone like Salah. Take Son and Madison. Okay, Son was only great for one week, but Madison has kind of ticked over. Both of them were very popular a game week or two ago. But now they've got Arsenal away, Liverpool at home. So you might keep them if you've got them, but there's not a need to go out and buy them. I feel like that's the situation with a lot of midfielders. I'll come on to possible replacements in a second. Arteta was asked about Martinelli in the press conference, uh, and he said he's going to be assessed ahead of the Spurs game. Now, originally it would seem to be an issue that he felt with his hamstring he wasn't in the champions league squad at all i'd be very surprised if he's back for that spurs game and even if arteta knew he was out i don't think he would have given it away in the press conference he's had previous for doing that already and obviously it's a big game against spurs so i think he's probably quite a big doubt for this week so then if you keep him you're really pinning your hopes on him playing that bournemouth away game in game week seven Because after that, it's Man City and Chelsea. And of course, Arsenal can score in those games. But they're going to be a bit tougher than most of the matches they've already had. Like, if you've got Saka, not a worry whatsoever. You play him against Spurs at home. You play him against Bournemouth away. But of course, he's not an injury doubt. So if I had Martin, I'd sell him. I'm sure there's going to be some questions. Would you sell him for a hit? I might consider that if I didn't have a good bench. If I had someone on the bench that could play, 
Maybe you give Martinelli another week, see if he plays against Bournemouth. But I think in most cases, he's probably a good sell. In terms of who to buy, uh, obviously Salah, but you'd have to have a lot of money in the bank. In terms of in and around his price, I know people are going to hate this, and I've already said it this week, and the comments are going to just be at me again, but that's fine. I don't think buying Rashford is that bad of a call. They've got Burnley away, Palace at home, Brentford at home, Sheffield United away. It's a good fixture run. And if he comes into any kind of form, then there's definite points in most of those games. And I think he has been maybe a little bit unlucky to not have more returns already. Uh, obviously, even in the last game against Brighton, loads of shots, that assist that was really close for Hoyland as well. He assisted Hoyland against Bayern Munich too. So there's a little bit of a partnership going on there as well. I think Rashford's a pretty good buy if you've got a bit of extra money to spend. Would I buy another Arsenal midfielder right now? Probably not. Similar situation to Spurs. If I had them, great. But I don't know if I would bring them in. Uh, obviously, you could consider Martinelli instead. Uh, sorry, Fernandes instead. He's a little bit cheaper. But if I was buying one right now, it would definitely be Rashford. Foden, maybe. And to be fair, like Alvarez, he started every single game he's been fit and available for. The one he missed was Sheffield United, but he was ill in that game. Um... I don't think it's the worst call to buy. I don't know. There's just something telling me don't buy Foden right now. I just feel like if one of him or Alvarez is going to lose minutes over the next two to three fixtures, it's more likely to be Foden. I don't know. I could be wrong on that. There's just something telling me this is the wrong time to buy. But then again, it's Forrest at home. So if you want to take a bit of a punt, I don't mind Foden whatsoever. Again, probably not the right time to buy Chelsea players. Although if you're committing to Game Week 9 wildcard... Then Villa at home, Fulham away, Burnley away. I wouldn't even completely rule out Sterling, but I do agree with everyone who's about to comment right now. It's probably not the best time to buy Sterling. Uh, and outside of that, you're probably looking at cheaper players. So if I go to midfielders for 7.5 or below, um, you've got the likes of Mimbermo, of course. Uh, he's still got pretty good fixtures. I know it probably feels to some people like you've missed the bow and obviously didn't score last week. He blanked against Palace as well. But he has got four goals in his first five games. He is on penalties. His minutes are looking great. Everton at home this week, decent. Forest away after that, good. Man United away, debatable whether that's a good or bad fixture right now. A lot of people would say it's not that bad whatsoever. That's fair enough. But then you've got Burnley at home in game week nine either way. So I think that fixture run still looks pretty good. A lot of people are looking at Diaby. And I get it because Villa's fixtures do turn. But interestingly, like Chelsea away this week, I don't know. It's okay. Well, it's not brilliant, though. Then it's Brighton at home. Then Wolves away, West Ham at home. They're okay fixtures, but the really good fixtures for Villa aren't until game week 10. And at that point, Matoma's fixtures also turn as well. So that's why I still prefer Burmo. And one player not being talked about much at all is Eze. And to be fair, he has got two away games in the next four, Man United and Newcastle, but also two really good home games, Fulham at home, Forest at home. And then you've got Spurs at home, okay, not great. Then it's Burnley, Everton, Luton. So uh, West Ham away and then Bournemouth at home in game week 15. So he could even be a bit of a longer term hold if you're prepared to keep him through those tougher fixtures. The thing I like about Eze is like in Burma, he's got penalties, which the uh, RB doesn't have. Plus the RB's got European games as well. So that's probably where I was would be looking. Uh, Martin, let me just check Martinez's price a second. I think he's like 7 point something, is he? Yeah, 7.9. So if I had to go for someone cheaper, it would be Foden or Mbermo, maybe as a Diaby if you want to. But if I, if, I, if I had a bit of money to go up, I think I'd go to Rashford. And I'm not just saying that to annoy everyone in the comments right now. But I just think he is a good option over the next four game weeks. He's going to start. Man United are going to score goals. They might lose some games. But from an FPL point of view, that doesn't really matter, right? All we care about is points.
So this style of question might have been better suited for a game week preview video, but I'm going to answer it here anyway because I think it's interesting. Do you feel like people look for an immediate gain on transfers instead of assessing them over the long term? And I think there's kind of two parts to this question. In terms of assessing transfers, essentially it should be over the period that you own that player. So I'm going to use Jackson Tuara as an, as an example here because obviously lots of people doing that move this week. If you bring in Alvarez for Jackson and Jackson outscores him this week, whether or not that was a bad move overall should probably only be assessed when you sell Alvarez and then you see what Jackson could have done in between. In general, I think assessing moves in FPL, especially like chip use and stuff like that, is quite difficult because as soon as you make one move, that then affects what you do the next week. And you can look back at it and say, well, if I'd done this instead, then the next week I'd do this and that. But ultimately, you might not have done that, right? Like I said, if I got Saliba to Newcastle defender last week, I'd be doing that this week. But after a few weeks, you forget about what you would have done. So I think in, in general terms, it's kind of hard to assess moves. But yes, it should be done over the long term. But I do think sometimes people use long-term potential as an excuse to make a move that's not always that great in the short term you should be looking for immediate points right if you do jackson to alvarez you want alvarez to outscore jackson this week of course you want it to happen in the long run as well but if it doesn't happen this week you could have delayed that move and that is why i keep talking about hits especially for this transfer because let's say alvarez scores one goal and gets three bonus points right he finishes on nine you take away the four points that's five he's up if Jackson scores one goal without getting any bonus, then you've lost points. And so that is why you do have to look for immediate gain, even if you think it's better over the long term, because you can always make that move next week instead. And I think that's the part that gets forgotten. Don't get me wrong. There's always context to be applied to this stuff. Like some people might be getting close to being priced out of this move because Jackson's fallen in price. Alvarez has gone up. In that case, maybe you do make it early. Maybe you do take that hit. Obviously, I'm trying to answer a question generally here. You can't apply that to every single move that people are thinking about making. But yeah, I would say generally you want to assess a move over the long term. But when you're assessing whether you should make that move, yes, long term matters. You should be looking at fixtures. But you do want an immediate gain as well. Otherwise, why are you really making that move? So what do you think about bringing in Rasmus Hoyland this week? And I would say it really depends what the alternative option is. And also what type of FPL manager you are as well. And I'll come on to that in a minute. I joked on Twitter the other day after Hoyland scored against Bayern Munich to forget about doing Jackson to Alvarez. Jackson to Hoyland was the move. But that was just a joke. If you're asking me who's the better FPL option between the two, I would absolutely pick Alvarez. From everything we know right now, he's the better player, playing the better team. You could say Man United's fixtures are maybe slightly better, but Man City's are still really good. He's on a lot of set pieces. If Haaland's off the pitch for any reason... Alvarez is probably going to play number nine and he'd probably be on penalties as well. So he's just an all-round good pick. Plus, he's actually slightly cheaper than Hoyland too. So if that's your alternative, then I would just go to Alvarez, right? And obviously, you can weigh that up for any other players you're thinking about. But if you just want to go for a punt on a player that you want to bring in who's got good fixtures, there are worse moves you can make. And I think we sometimes... I definitely do from making videos and stuff like that. We forget that lots of managers... Just want to have a bit of fun with the game and maybe you're a man united fan maybe you're danish whatever the reason might be you might want to take a punt on hoyland if you're going to do that then bernie away palace at home brentford at home sheffield united away is not a bad time to kind of do that i think from what we've seen so far very small sample size for the amount of time he's played for man united 
He looks like a pretty good player. Not better than Alvarez, but he looks okay. Definitely better than Martial. Making good runs, getting into good positions. You know, that pass from Rashford in the Brighton game, very close to being on the pitch, in which case Hoyland would be off the mark in the Premier League. He's now scored against Bayern Munich as well. I think there's a good player in there, but he is a punt. And if you're okay with that, there's no harm in bringing that kind of player into your team. If you're playing like me, you're always trying to get the best overall rank. You're kind of making... I don't know, you could call them boring, safe, sensible moves, whatever it is. If it's Hoyland versus Alvarez, then of course you pick Alvarez. But I don't think that Hoyland is a bad move whatsoever. That's the kind of FPL manager, you know, and that's the kind of move that you want to make, right? He's a punt, and that's perfectly fine to do. Most people aren't going to bring him in this week. That's also okay. But I don't think it's an awful choice. He does get... Well, so far he's been substituted early because Martial's obviously there on the bench. And because Martial's not starting, he's also not getting injured at the moment. So his minutes maybe aren't completely secure. But I don't see many matches going forward where he doesn't start. He's a much better option for Man United than Ten Hag than Martial is. So yeah, cheap enough price. You want to take a punt? Go for it. So I'm just going to quickly talk about my team because not much has changed since the team selection video. And ultimately, I'm not completely locked in on the moves that I want to make. But I'm getting there. So I'm pretty certain... I'm going to do the Jackson to Alvarez move as well. I do think there's a world in which in game week seven, I'm going to wish that I just did Chilwell and Saliba to double Newcastle defence and just held Jackson one more week, even if that meant getting Alvarez in game week seven instead. But there is a chance, not even if it's not today, that over the weekend, before I want to make my moves for game week seven, that Jackson could go down in price again and Alvarez might go up. Do I really want to miss another 0.2 million on that move? Not really. And ultimately, if I was wildcarding this week, I'd absolutely choose Alvarez instead. And if Jackson picks up a yellow card this week, I'm going to be really glad that I made that move. So I think I'm coming around to doing that. But because I've got two free transfers, there is another move that I can make as well. And I think almost certainly I will make that second move. And it's probably going to be for Botman. In most cases, I just can't afford Trippier unless I do the double Chilwell and Saliba move. So then it's Botman versus Cher. And I do think that Cher is the better uh, better option. I do think that extra money is worth it for his goal threat, as long as it doesn't stop you doing anything else in the future. And I'm just a little bit worried that that might be the case with my team, that it might stop me doing something. So I think I'm going to do Jackson to Alvarez. Unfortunately, only now saving 0.1 million. Fair play if you went early on that move. That leaves me 0.4 million in the bank. So like I said, I can't even do Chilwell to Trippier if I wanted to. And I think right now... I'm leaning more towards selling Saliba and hoping that Chilwell plays. If Chilwell doesn't play against Villa, then that's a definite transfer in game week seven. But I think either way, I need to make another defender transfer after this week, either in seven or eight. So even if I keep Saliba and play him against Spurs and sell Chilwell and then play him against Bournemouth, I think I've still got to sell him in game week eight. I spoke about on the game week preview how I'm kind of leaning more towards wildcarding in game week 10 anyway. I still think that's the case. I have reviewed that. There are ways to get to a pretty good game week 10 team without wildcarding, but it relies on a lot of things going right and also still not being able to change my goalkeeper, some of the bench players as well. So I think I'm probably leaning more towards that. So making kind of shorter-term moves like removing Saliba this week, giving Chilwell one more chance is probably not as bad. If you're trying to delay the wild card, or, or sorry, if I was trying to delay it past game week 10, like I was absolutely sure that I wanted to go later, I'd probably be more inclined to sell Chilwell because I definitely want him gone from game week 9 onwards. He is a doubt for this week. He has to be after getting benched last week. And from game week 10 onwards, 
Arsenal got pretty good fixtures, and I'd probably want to hold Saliba for that. But because I'm leaning towards that wildcard, I can always get him back in. I mean, I have made some money on him, so I'd have to pay a bit extra. But it might be that Gabriel or Zinchenko is an option for a cheaper price. So I think my two moves are probably probably going to be Jackson to Alvarez. Sorry, not Chilwell. I've just done that. Uh, maybe subconsciously I know that that's the move I should make. Uh, and probably Botman in for Saliba, leaving me 0.9 million. The only thing I need to think about before the deadline tomorrow on Saturday, which is later, by the way, I think I maybe already said that, but it's half one, um, is what I might need that money for. Because if I don't need the money, maybe I just get share instead. But I just think for 4.6 million, very annoying that Botman's gone up in price, by the way, absolutely nailed in one of the best defenses in the league with good fixtures. He's just a good option to have in our team. So I think that's what I'm going to do. I don't think a hit is needed. I think the one problem with Chilwell, if he doesn't start, he definitely comes on. So that's a little bit annoying, but I think that's just a risk that I have to take. And if he does start against Villa at home, I'm okay with playing him in game week seven as well. So that's the way I'm leaning. Basically, short version of this, I don't want to ramble too much. I'm pretty sure I'm going to do Jackson to Alvarez. It's just the defender move I'm not quite sure about. And maybe I'll have a brainwave before tomorrow and that will change my mind. But I think selling Saliba is probably the right move. Anyway, let me know if you think differently. If you've enjoyed that video, make sure to give it a like. Hit that subscribe button. And I'll catch you tomorrow for the deadline stream, which will start about 12 o'clock UK time. If you're listening on podcasts, make sure to rate five stars. Good luck with your decisions. And I'll catch you again tomorrow. Sports Social Podcast Network.